This is Lena from Infected Rain. Brian Fair from Shadows Fall. Gary Hall from Exodus and recently retired from Slayer. Phil from Violence here. This is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder. This is Christian from Lions at the Gate. Yo, 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 Igor Cavalera here. Hey, this is Charlie with Anthrax. I just want to give a shout out to Pedalton and Metal Radio, the podcast. The podcast to get all your rock and metal news plus reviews. With new episodes dropping every Sunday, make sure you tune in. Keep rocking with Pedal to the Metal. Check it out now. Keep it metal. All right, welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. Yes, we took a week off. It was a very, very, very busy week last week. Uh, we had so much going on. I was competing in this competition called uh, Face of Horror. I was doing a lot of other things. I started another podcast uh, that I'm doing. It's only once a year. Uh, kind of thing it's for one month out of the year and then that's it so i've been doing a lot and we had to take the week off um but we promise we've got some incredible news for you guys today so you can expect that some incredible news for rock and metal news and by the way we've got an unsigned band of the week we got bands you should know artists we've got it all here today plus we have the top 10 of 2014 that we're going to do for the metal albums released that year and as always, as you guys know, by now, I mean, we're 113 episodes in. Yeah, you should already know. If you want to follow the show, all the links are in the description below, as well as all the links to every band that is played on the show is provided in the links below as well. So as I was saying, I thought it was cool. You know, I just was like... Hey, I'm going to enter this competition and I'm going to try this thing. You got to get people to vote for you. Uh, and the grand prize was you were going to win $13,000. You uh, also won a two night stay at Buffalo Bill's house, a walk on roll in an independent horror film, and you got a photo shoot with Kane Hodder, who, for those of you guys who don't know who he is, uh, he was Jason in Friday the 13th Part 7 all the way through, I believe, to Jason X. And he also starred as uh, Victor Crowley in all of those films and many, 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 many other films as well. So I thought, you know, hey, it's gonna, it would be fun, you know, to be able to do all of that. And that photo shoot would appear in, in uh, Rue Morgue magazine. And that whole point of me trying to do that was I wanted to promote this show because I was like, this is my this is my baby. I love this show. I love what I do. And if you love what you do, you'll do anything to promote it. You know what I'm saying? So that was my whole reasoning behind doing that. <clears throat> so unfortunately, I didn't make it. Obviously, uh, I had made the top 20 cut, made the top 15, made the top 10. I could not make the top five, unfortunately. Uh, but life goes on, man. You got to try everything you can. Life is all about taking risks and taking chances, and that's what you got to do if you want to do anything in life. So remember that. Uh, all right, so now it is time for our top 10 of 2014, which was a pretty decent year for music. Uh, I think my number one album is the most obvious of that year, but we're going to start at number 10 because uh, that's what you do. And, and coming in at number 10 is Blind Rage by Accept, except this was their second album, I believe, with Mark Tornillo. This is, I believe this was the second. Let's see, the second or third. I can't remember when Stalingrad uh, came out. But, uh, yeah, so... Number 10, right there. Still proving they can kick ass and take names. Uh, number 9, we've got White Devil Armory by Overkill. These guys, at this point, I believe this was the third record in a row that these guys were just absolutely killing it and bringing the, bringing the heat. Definitely a great album to check out. Uh, number 8, we've got Titan by Septic Flesh. Another great record from these guys. Uh, number seven, we've got Bloodstone and Diamonds by Machine Head, which was an album, by the way. Uh, the Machine Head kind of stretched themselves because they didn't normally write uh, records like this. But 
this was badass and totally war- warranted all the way. Uh, number six, we've got Foundations of Burden by Paul Bear. Paul Bear by this point, avoiding the sophomore slump. That's right, making doom metal popular again. Love it. Uh, number five, we've got The Great Chapter by Slipknot. This was their first album. This was their first album without Joey Jordanson. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, second, I believe, without Paul Gray. Uh, but this was definitely a killer album. It had some great tracks, Kill Pop, so many, so many more. Uh, number, where was I? Number four, we've got Redeemer of Souls by Judas Priest. This was uh, Judas Priest's first record with uh, Richie Faulkner, and it seemed like a whole rejuvenated priest uh, just kicking ass and taking names. Uh, number three, we've got Blood In, Blood Out by Exodus. This was the return of Steve Zetro Souza to the mix, proving that Exodus belongs in the conversation. That's all I can say. Uh, number two, we've got Once More Around the Sun by Mastodon. Obviously, there are Mastodon records that are better than this that came out previous to this. But this was a very fun record from the group. And, you know, they just proved that vocally they can fucking kick ass and take names, all three of them. And uh, that's what you get. And at number one, this is the obvious choice. This should have been the number one album of 2014 on everybody's list. And that's The Satanist by Behemoth. Behemoth released a record that was just epic as fuck. And that is the Satanist. If you've never listened to this record, it is actually musically one of the best records uh, that band has ever produced. Straight up, straight up. And this was Nurgle's return from cancer. So he had a lot to prove on this one. And they fucking delivered. What an excellent excellent record so there you go that's my top 10 of 2014 all the lists will be ignored by me so there you go and now it is time for our unsigned band of the week and uh you know for this artist there is a lot a lot going on in iran as we speak Uh, a little bit of a revolution maybe being brought to the country of iran a lot of people fighting for certain freedoms so we wanted to show our support to those people. We are playing a band from Iran. That's right. It's a one-man show, actually. This guy is very, very talented. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. It's Puyan Ahmadi. Hopefully I said that correctly. If not, I apologize for that. But he's got a band called Bloody Sadism. And we want to play these guys on the show because they are badass. They are slamming, brutal death metal, grindcore, technical death metal, and death grind all mixed into one. And if that doesn't sound brutal enough to you, then I don't know what is. And right now, let's check out the band's latest track. This is Lucid Dream right here on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast.
It's time for Rock and Metal News, presented by Eddie Monster. All right, Rock and Metal News time. So there is a lot going on in the rock and roll waiver wires, apparently, this week. Uh, Big rumor. One of them is the fact that there was somebody absent during a recent live show and it's being reported by various various sites okay uh one of them being rockfeed saying that john five and rob zombie no longer follow each other on social media right uh due to the fact that john five was absent from the recent performance Rob Zombie, apparently during the whole entire show, made absolutely no mention of his absence during the show. And Mike Riggs, who you may remember, was the original guitarist from Rob Zombie's solo days, right? He was the first guitar player from 1997 to 2003. Uh, I remember he did the albums Hellbilly Deluxe and The Sinister Urge, which are still my two favorite uh, Rob Zombie records to this day. So there's that, right? And we all know that John 5 joined in 2005, and he had been playing in the band all the way up to now, being on such records as Educated Horses, uh, Hellbilly Deluxe 2, uh, Venomous Rat Regeneration Vendor, the Electric Warlo- uh, Warlock, Acid Witch, Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser, and the Lu- the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. There you go. I love those titles. Uh, but nonetheless, so there was no mention. There's no nothing, right? What is going on? Uh, is John 5 gone? Is he not in the band anymore? Like, what is happening, right? So apparently more news started leaking. And and remember, these are all just rumors, right? So, again, rumors, and you got to take them for what they are. We can just only speculate on what exactly is going on. Uh, But this isn't the first time we've seen the waiver wires go crazy, uh, especially with Rob Zombie. It's not the first time, okay? You know what I'm saying? So originally he was acquired. John five was acquired after leaving Marilyn Manson in 2003. I believe he left Manson uh, or 2004 It was something like that. Uh, And he went into zombies band. Then we've seen plenty, plenty, plenty of waiver wires going crazy when Blasco left and went to Ozzy and then Tommy Clufettos who was a part of Educated Educated Horses, also took his ball and left and went to Ozzy Osbourne's band. Therefore, also Zombie acquiring former Manson drummer Gingerfish, who replaced... uh, He replaced Tommy Cufettos, Piggy D obviously replacing Blasco in that band. So then, you know, it seemed like that lineup was locked for a long time. Right, at least that's what it seems. But now John Five is gone. Riggs is back because Riggs was introduced back on stage, and he played the whole show with Rob. And then all of a sudden, a new rumor is out that possibly, okay, this is possibly. We're not exactly sure what is going on entirely. But there is a rumor that John 5 could possibly be joining Motley Crue. That's at least the latest speculation going around. And that's according to Metal Sludge, right? Saying that uh, they were tipped off from a few in the industry. Now, the reason Motley Crue is a rumor is because we've already seen how successful the stadium tour was, right? And we've heard from crew that they want to keep going because they saw how successful it was and they want to do more stadium tours 
and you know what and whatnot. But the question ultimately for Motley Crue is: Would Mick Mars be able to continue doing what it is he does? Because obviously, you know, we all know Mick uh, suffers from a serious, serious injury, right? We all know that. We've seen it. It's debilitating. It's been happening to him since you know the 1980s. You know, and you got to give credit to Mick Mars. You know what I mean for for putting up with what he calls feeling like you know your bones turn into cement, and you know feeling he- you know always feeling heavy and you can't walk and and stuff like that. You got to give the guy credit where credit is due for lasting as long as he has. You know what I'm saying. So the question always was, you know, if Motley Crue did decide to continue and keep going, how long could Mick ultimately last, you know, in this lineup? I mean, the guy is in his 70s, and to have the condition that he has, you've got to figure, I mean, you should never say never because obviously we've seen what, what – you know, uh, Mick Jagger and, and obviously and those guys in the Rolling Stones, you know, Keith Richards have been able to do. They've been able to continue, right? We see Robert Plant is going. We see Jimmy Page is still messing around, you know, with stuff. And then you see The Who continuing to do what they do. But do any of them have the condition that Mick Mars has? And, that's, and the answer is no. It's something entirely different. So you wonder, like, you know, is Mick able to continue? And if not, and they want to continue, who would be the suitable replacement for Mick Mars? And I can't think of anybody else. And you know what? I would not be disappointed at all. And I'm telling you this. If John 5 ends up in Motley Crue, that would not be a disappointment to me. That's actually exciting. He's going to bring this this energy to Motley Crue. And, and don't get me wrong. Nobody is a bigger Motley Crue fan than me. I've been a fan of the crew since as long as I can remember. I'm 40 years old. My brothers were all older than me. You know, I have a brother that's 8 years older than me and a brother that's 12 years older than me. And they were Motley Crue fans. Meaning, from the day I was born, I was a Motley Crue fan. And Motley Crue to me was always... And I'd seen Motley Crue without Tommy Lee, right? I'd never seen them without Vince. I was I was still too young to be able to go to concerts by, at that point. But I had seen them without Tommy Lee. And then I saw them all together again in 2005. And I gotta tell you... There was an electricity in the air when all four original members were on stage together. There's just electricity, right? And I'm not going to deny that with Motley Crue. But, you know, you're putting on a stage show. Do you want a guy that just stands there like, you know, and, and forgive my words, but, you know, stands there like a corpse and is barely able, and he struggles, you know. So bringing John 5 into the mix is sort of this rejuvenation. And John 5, and I would love to hear Motley Crue music created with John 5. I think that would be interesting. And it's not far-fetched. I mean, everybody thinks, okay, John 5's worked with Marilyn Manson. He's worked with, with Rob Zombie. You know, what is he going to add to Motley Crue? But everybody forgets that his first kind of band, and you know, was David Lee Roth. People forget that. He's a rocker through and through, John 5. He is a rocker. And David Lee Roth has been sort of releasing. He, I know he released a couple songs that featured John 5, right? You need to check those out. Because John 5 is a rocker through and through. So I'm super excited, right, to hear what John 5 could bring to the table. 
And I guarantee those live shows with John 5 are going to be intense. He's going to be able to match Nikki 6, who brings intensity still to this day. And he's going to be able to match Tommy Lee, who brings the intensity to this day. Vince is Vince. We all know that. You know what I mean? There's no... There's no... It's just... It is... With Vince, it is what it is. You know what I mean? That's all I'm going to say. With Vince, it is what it is. But, you know what? I am definitely, definitely excited at this waiver wire. I really am. We don't get to see this very often in rock and metal. Right? We just... Sort of here, okay, you know what, this guy quit, and he's going to do his own thing, and or, you know, this guy quit, and then all of a sudden we don't hear anything, and then all of a sudden he ends up being in another band, and we're like, oh, holy shit, he's playing for him now. You know what I mean? So to have this, this is exciting for me, personally, to have this waiver wire rumor going around. I am interested to see what is going to be happening in the next couple months or next six months. Because obviously, if you're going to plan a stadium tour, planning is going to start happening soon, right? At least by January, February, we'll start seeing planning happening. So it's going to be interesting, you know. And then the question ultimately is going to be, well, you know what, Motley Crue, if you're back... Because obviously, you know, you went against the contracts, you came back, you did this huge stadium tour. What's to stop Motley Crue from releasing new music? And they could still work with Mick Mars. That's not totally out of the question. Mick, I think, could do some uh, some studio stuff. And if that's the case, they could do that. But I would be excited to hear what John 5 would bring to Motley Crue. You know what I mean? That would be super exciting. It could be a whole new rejuvenated crew. Oh, makes me excited. Makes me excited. Now, with Zombie, on the other hand, where does where do you go with this? You just brought Riggs back, and we never thought we would ever see Riggs again. I mean, what was it? It's been 19 years since Riggs was in Rob Zombie's band. So let me ask you. You've gone all this way creating this music that was so different, right? With John 5, because let's be honest. This last album was the first time in a very, 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 very long time that he was able to match the intensity of those first two records. Right, And now you've brought Riggs back into the fold. So does that mean we're going to get to hear more of what we could have gotten with the Sinister Urge? You know, like, would this naturally be the follow-up to the Sinister Urge? Right? If Rob was to create a new record with Riggs in the fold with Ginger Fish and Piggy D. And then you got to wonder if if John 5 is the first to leave because we never saw this coming. They did the whole, you know, uh, tour this summer. And I don't think anybody saw this happening. So, I mean, what does that mean for the other members like Piggy D and Ginger Fish? I mean, are they okay with it? You know what I mean? Like, is there, you know, could there be a sign that Piggy D might leave and, and focus more on the Haxons or any of the other projects he does? And, and what does that mean for Gingerfish? I mean, Gingerfish can't go back to Marilyn Manson. That's done. But nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see. So keep your eyes peeled on that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to check out a Bands You Should Know artist, our very first one. And we've got a good one for you guys. We always do. We play some amazing bands on the show. And remember... Please check out and follow all of these bands. And that first band that we got for you guys features former Love They Hate bassist Leon Kraft, who has gone out on his own and is creating the music he finally has always wanted to write in his 
own unique style. That's right, coming all the way from Mobile, Alabama. If you're a fan of bands such as Edema, Motionless and White, and Godsmack, you are going to love Midnight Fracture. That's right, we've got their track, I'm Fine, right here. Let's check them out on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. More rock and metal news for all of you out there. Uh, Apparently, D.C. attorneys cannot find Iced Earth and insurrectionist John Schaefer. Apparently, he's on the run because nobody can find him. Right? And according to the Republic, uh, process servers attempting to physically notify Schaefer that the District of Columbia was suing him in a federal court over his participation in the January 6th insurrection have failed to do so at least 25 times across seven different addresses in three separate states. Woo! Woo, 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 woo. So Schaefer is one of 31 Oath Keepers and Proud Boys being sued by the District of Columbia Attorney General Carl Racine. He pled guilty to two charges where he was originally charged with six. 
and the charges include obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress and trespassing on restricted grounds of the Capitol while armed with a deadly or dangerous weapon. Uh, the Republic is also stating that as part of his plea, Schaefer is required uh, to notify the U.S. Pretrial Probation Office of any travel outside the state of Indiana. Uh, Blabbermouth states that Schaefer was believed to have been hiding at one of three residences in Columbus, Indiana, at a home in Orlando, Florida, near his mother, a home in Georgetown, Delaware, an apartment in Crystal City, Florida, or possibly a mobile home in Auburndale, Florida. And the Republic is also stating uh, that service most recently attempted the Auburndale address where a call box listed one John Schaefer and had two vehicles parked outside with Indiana plates. This is just getting crazy. Here's uh, what the court filings say. The district now believes that Schaefer is hiding from process servers in a mobile home in Auburndale, Florida. Since locating that address, the district has attempted service there at least five times, yet Schaefer refuses to answer the door, thereby preventing effective service absent further relief from the court. Um, yeah, so he is fucked, and I could care less about him. Uh, Jared James Nichols, this is, this is crazy. Guess in Portland, Oregon, he was uh, there was a hit and run, and he was being held at gunpoint. That is freaking crazy. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, he's a uh, he's a doomy blues musician uh, who's been on tour basically with John Five, uh, but he does some really cool shit, and apparently. Uh, he's okay. He says he's okay, but he was re- recently, according to Loudwire, he was uh, revealed he was involved in a hit-and-run accident in Portland after a show and that the offending party hit his car left and then came back to retrieve some stuff while holding Nichols and a friend at gunpoint. Again, it's great. Uh, yeah. So... Here's what he, uh, apparently, this is what he said. Last night after my show in Portland, my friend Jesse and I were involved in a hit and run by a drunk driver. We were stopped at a red light and were plowed into into the back of his car by a truck doing at least 40 miles per hour. Besides some serious whiplash and being in complete shock, we were unharmed from the accident. Before we knew what was happening, the driver jumped into the back of another truck and they sped off. We ended up calling the police and letting them know what just happened. While waiting for the cops to arrive, the getaway truck reappeared to come to get some things out of the now totaled vehicle they had left behind. The getaway driver locked eyes with me and pulled a handgun out of his waistband. He proceeded to pull in a clip and load it around in the chamber. I immediately put my hands up and said, please don't shoot me. I then started to run in the opposite direction as he drew his gun at me. I was waiting for the sound and the feeling of the bullet. Uh, at this exact moment, a squad car rounded the corner, lights blazing. I'm screaming, he has a gun. The sight of, pol- of the police thankfully scared him off, and he didn't pull the trigger. Without the Portland PD coming at that exact moment, I felt certain that I would have been shot for literally nothing. That is fucking crazy. People are nuts, man. People are nuts. And thank God that you know him and his friend are, are okay. The last thing we want is another incident like that to happen. Oh, my God. Anyways. Whew. Uh, Sono is announcing a U.S. tour as a duo. That's right. Greg Anderson and Stephen O'Malley are going to rip you apart and destroy your eardrums. They have uh, announced a handful of U.S. tour dates that they're going to be doing uh, during the wintertime. Uh, it features the original duo of Greg Anderson and Stephen O'Malley, as I said. And... Uh, Apparently, they're returning because they're bringing the live aspect of Shaoxin duo, duo in its original raw form. They'll uh, perform as a pair immersed in profound valve amplification, spectral harmonics, distortion, and volume, pure and primeval riffs of tempor- uh, temporality, 
massively heavy structures of sound pressure, witness a live experience of physical sound and glacial maximalism like no other. Tickets for the tour are on sale now. That's according to a description of the tour. Uh, so the tour kicks off December 9th in Atlanta, Georgia, and it runs all the way to February 4th in Los Angeles, California. So there you go. You can catch shows they are playing in Tennessee, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Philly, New York, California, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and back to California. But just be careful when you guys go to Portland. Man. Uh, Harley Fan- Flanagan is now the owner of the Cro-Mags name. That's right. Him and him alone. So this uh, lawsuit apparently happened four years ago, and it was between him and uh, former vocalist John Joseph, right? Uh, They didn't want them using... Apparently he filed... uh, In Southern District Court of New York, Federal Court, Bar, former vocalist John Joseph from using any... Okay, so this was basically to bar John Joseph from using the name. So Flanagan didn't want him to use it, didn't want him to tour as Cro-Mags, and uh, he finally took him to court earlier this year, and apparently they've given him the rights to Flanagan. So Flanagan is now the sole owner, meaning that John Joseph can no longer use the Cro-Mags name, as he's done a couple of times, so... Um, but as for Flanagan, the Cro-Mags have released their first album, uh, in about 20 years called In the Beginning, and it even features Phil Campbell, uh, the former guitar player of Motorhead on the record, so make sure you check that out, uh, for sure. So, I was thinking about traveling to my store, I love fuck-ups, okay, and, and I'm going to explain it. Not literally, like I don't like people that are fuck ups, but I like mess ups on like records or you know books or anything like that. And Slipknot, apparently, there is a huge mess up with the new album. So the album is supposed to be called The End. Dot dot dot. So far, but uh, copies of the record were misprinted as The End for Now. Dot dot dot. So if you can find it, um, oh, it's basically if you pre-ordered the vinyl, that's what sh- that's what you're gonna get. It's gonna say the end for now, which sucks. I didn't pre-order it. I was hoping the stores would have it. That'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, so if you pre-ordered it and you have it, save it. You know what I mean? Like, don't get rid of it. Because apparently there's a sticker that says the real title, the end so far, and then the album has the uh, the end for now. So there you go, there you go, there you go. All right, uh, Roadrunner United, right, was this project they did um, 20 years ago. They they were celebrating the 20 year anniversary of the label being a label, and they basically had all stars. It was like all star bands. You know what I mean? Like like baseball or football choosing all, all-star teams. That's basically what this was. It was four teams that had four captains, and they basically chose people they always wanted to work with or that were on the Roadrunner label at one point. They could still be on, la- on the label or had been members of the label at one point. I have always said that I would love to see Roadrunner do this again, uh, and now it's the 40th anniversary of Roadrunner. It would be cool because there have been so many bands that have gone through the Roadrunner system. You know what I mean? At this point, like Black Label, like Corn, so many, so many bands. It would be interesting to see. Um, and excuse me, the original record was celebrating the 25th anniversary. So Roadrunner is teasing something. That has to do with the 40th anniversary and the Roadrunner United concert. So we don't know what that means because they haven't really revealed it. So it remains to be seen. And uh, I'm sure we'll be letting you know exactly what that means. But I would love 
as much as I hate Roadrunner Records, the label itself, I would love to see something like that come back. That was so cool. It was such a cool idea at the time. Um, yeah. So there you go. We'll uh, have to stay tuned for more information as it comes. The last topic I want to talk about on the show is uh, this recent battle between Ronnie Ratke of Falling in Reverse and Sebastian Bach of formerly of Skid Row and Eddie Trunk, uh, the radio DJ, apparently. Uh, Anyway, so Eddie Trunk has always made it known that he cannot stand bands that use backing tracks, right? And he recently called out Falling in Reverse, who had to cancel a show due to their missing laptops. And then a lot of bands and a lot of people in the metal community got a real kick out of it. Um, thinking that it was a joke that a metal band couldn't play without you know, having any laptops. So when Eddie Trunk had originally heard it, he thought it was a joke. Uh, then when he found out that it was all true, he wrote on social media. So Ronnie Radke came across it and he wrote this to him on Twitter. He said, so you want to talk hella shit about laptops, but go watch Kiss Lip Sync. Steven Tyler plays the piano. Then halfway through the song, he stands on top of the piano while it still plays. Yet here we are acting like they don't all use tracks. You fucking idiot, literal moron. And I don't blame him. I'm not a huge fan of Eddie Trunk either. Uh, and then Radke went on to tweet, Why am I not seeing any bands besides literally Nikki Six defending the situation? You all use tracks laughing my ass off. And then he once again showed a video of Eddie Trunk introducing Sebastian Bach using tracks. Both idiots talking shit about me. Using tracks can't make this shit up. So now you've tagged Sebastian Bach on Twitter. So Sebastian Bach saw it and goes, wow, dummy, are you trying to say that you believe that I use tracks on stage at Eddie Trunk? How fucking funny is this? Then at some point, Ronnie tweeted out to Sebastian and Eddie saying, Sebastian, Eddie... And any other literal clown, I guess Queen isn't real rock since in 1986 they used full tracks to play Bohemian Rhapsody and walked off the stage. And then in a response, Sebastian Bach, which was pretty clever, uh, tweeted this out. He goes, laptops were not invented in 1986, though. You realize that laptops didn't come out around till like 1997, right, genius? So then how did Queen get on that stage if laptops were not invented? Don't they have to cancel the show? How did this clip happen without laptops? Isn't that impossible? So there you go. I mean, you know, whatever the war of words between Ronnie Radke and Sebastian Bach. I uh, see their point, but I also see... Ronnie's point and Ronnie uses it apparently for certain things on stage not all not everything um, there's a lot of bands that use tracks I mean Rob Zombie has to use tracks for certain sounds that you can't get out of any of the instruments you know what I mean um, considering a lot of their tracks featured like you know some sort of techno beats but whatever I see both sides of the argument and uh, you be the judge of it. There you go. I gave it to you. You be the judge. Who's guilty? Who's right? Who's wrong? I should say. Is it Ratke? Is it Bach? Is it Trunk? You decide. Uh, anyways, now it is time for our last bands you should know artist. But I have one question for all of you guys out there. What do you get when you add a tablespoon of Judas Priest, half an ounce of Def Leppard, a dash of scorpions and a sprinkle of wasp into a blender. Any answers? Any ideas? Hell yeah. You get the band Hellraiser with diving bass, heavy guitars, tight, hard hitting drums, flashy guitar solos, lots of hooks with catchy and melodic four part harmony vocals. Hellraiser, 
delivers the classic old school era of metal and we've got them on this show so without further ado let's check them out they've got an album that came out on september 1st called hanging on by a thread and without further ado here's the title track and as always i will see all of you next week right here on pedal to the metal radio the podcast <laughs> 